0: Before Reverend Heron comes, I would like to read First Peter 2, verses 1 to 10. And I'll ask you to turn your Bibles, your INSSs or your iPads or your tablets or whatever you read from, to First Peter 2, verses 1 to 10. And I'll be reading from the American Standard Version. Putting away, therefore, all wickedness. And all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes long for the spiritual milk which is without guile, that he may grow thereby unto salvation. If he have tasted that the Lord is gracious, unto whom coming a living stone, rejected indeed of men, but with God elect, precious. Ye also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Because it, this thing is blocking my view. Because it is contained in scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believes on him shall not be put to shame. For you, therefore, that believe is the pre- is the preciousness, but for such as this belief, the stone which the builders rejected, the same was made the head of the corner. And and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, for they stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But he are an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that he may show forth the excellences of him who called you out of darkness. Into his marvelous light, who in time past were no people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Reverend Harold.
1: Good morning, sisters and brothers. As usual, it's a pleasure. In fact, it's an honor for us to be gathered in the presence of God, in the universal presence of God. I am giving God thanks that he led our pastor to the topic of covenant. Because as I read scripture, Old or New Testament, this subject of covenant, this idea of covenant, this teaching, this truth about covenant seem to be everywhere. The prophets seem to have understood it and prophesied about it. The apostles, Paul, Peter, they seem to have understood it and although there is no one chapter apart from the the, the 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 book of hebrews there's no one chapter that addresses this in depth but there are glimpses there are nuances as we go along i was i just turned to you version one morning and the verse for the day was First Peter 2, 9 and 10. And as I heard it read, it just occurred to me that this is a covenant text. I had not read chapter 1. I had not read the opening verses of chapter 2. But it sounded very clearly to me that this was one of those texts in the bible that addresses this important topic of cochlear then i looked at the the first chapter and i noticed that in the second verse after peter um greeted the folk introducing himself as, as an apostle of Jesus Christ to the elect who are sojourners of the dispersions he goes on to talk about according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of blood And that term, that phrase, again captured my attention and convinced me that Peter was familiar with the covenant. Because you remember in Exodus 24, that when that covenant was made between the people and God, And Moses explained the terms of the covenant. And after the people said they will obey everything, they will carry out their end of it, what Moses did was to sprinkle not only the altar, but to sprinkle the people. And as has been explained in previous sessions, blood the sprinkling of blood was always one of the signs of the covenant and so here we have Peter emphasizing unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ in the old it was the blood of animals But in the new, is the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, he himself says in the communion, in the words of institution, he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. And then I noticed that he followed up by saying, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Here he's talking about abundance. But he's not talking about the abundance of children, as was promised to Abraham. He's not talking about land. He's talking about something that is spiritual. Grace and peace. But he's emphasizing the abundance. He's emphasizing the fact that God is not stingy. God is is of inexhaustible resources. And that in covenant, he has made all that he is available to us. God doesn't give us in piecemeal he gives us his all, especially in the giving of his son. In fact, that's what the Bible says, that he who did not spare his own son, but offered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him give us all things? So we see that Peter was familiar with this topic, this subject, this teaching, this principle of covenant. Then I also noticed that Pastor was led in leading us in that little hymn of praise this morning we call the doxology. Because you notice verse 3, following this mention of the sprinkling of blood and the grace of peace to be multiplied. That Peter breaks into a doxology. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy begat us again unto a lively hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, unto an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who by the power of God are guarded through faith unto a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, the doxology we sang this morning was the focus was general. Praise God who made all things and called upon all creatures and even angels in heaven. But here, Peter is focused, he's narrowing his focus in praising God for his great mercy. And mercy is one of those terms, relates directly to covenant. They have said loving kindness the love, the compassion, the faithfulness of God. And then I notice that covenant not only deals with the past, but covenant deals with the present and it deals with the future. In our study last and the last time I was together with you, in the book of Hebrews, there is emphasis on the fact that Jesus is a better mediator of a better covenant because Jesus lives in the power of an indestructible life. And there's a verse that we all know that says he lives to make intercession for us. So as long as Jesus lives, we are taken care of. He's praying for us. He's interceding to the Father for us. So there's no limit to the extent to which God's provision. But there's also a promise in the covenant. And we don't have to question. Because in the covenant is the idea of faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. And we sang already this morning. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. But then we notice that in chapter one, he stresses holiness. But he does something here which to us is unusual. Because in explaining holiness, he talks about love. He says, verse 22, seeing ye have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, love one another from the heart fervently. Now, why am I stressing this? I'm stressing this because our text, because I've not reached, I haven't reached the text yet. Our text, chapter two, verses one to ten, begins with this thing about relationship. Yes, because there's a continuity here. This is not a book of disjointed ideas. So he says, seeing you have in the past." because of your faith in jesus christ you have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth the truth the word of god unto unfeigned your love is not hypocritical it's not a pretense unfeigned love of the brethren he says love one another from the heart fervently so covenant in view of what is involved in covenant and what god has done through us through covenant we are called upon to love one another from the heart fervently why because covenant is not just for individuals it is corporate it's collective is for all everyone who believes and trusts jesus christ as their personal savior and we are going to see that covenant brings us into a household and a household is usually nuclear where you have father mother children Or it brings us into a building. And a building is not just one slab. It is made up of different members. In fact, people in construction refers to roof and window and door and floor as members. Having been begotten again, he says, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of god and you're going to see that our text emphasizes the the essential quality of the word of god essential to our growth and development in as much as it is essential to our birth so here is emphasizing and this is why i'm going through this here's why <clears throat> I'm emphasizing the fact that he's stressing that it is through the incorruptible word of God that we have been begotten. We have been born again. We have become Christians. And he describes the word here as living and enduring, living and life-giving. Just like in the beginning, God spoke and life came into being. So we read, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so we now come to our text. And I promise that I'm not going to preach a sermon this morning. I'm just going to do what experts call a little narrative preaching. Just let the narrative, let the words speak directly to us this afternoon so verse one says putting away therefore all wickedness and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking why did the apostle begin chapter 2 like that he was forced to begin chapter 2 like that or led to begin chapter 2 like that because he just pointed out that one of the results of covenant being in covenant with god is that we are not only related to god but we are related to one another and that we should love one another fervently from our heart and that we should not fake it you know just let people feel good but it should be genuine love and so he's saying that if you understand that you should have an attitude in which there is no wickedness no guile no hypocrisy no envy no evil speaking about your sister and brother you should treat each Person, each other as honorable because we belong to the same family we belong to the same household we are benefiting from the same covenant and we are related to the one God and Father of all Lord Jesus Christ so he says this is the attitude with which we should approach One another. But not only one another. But he says that this is a a basis on which you are going to grow. He has established the fact that we are begotten unto a lively hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the incorruptible word of God. So he says you need to crave like newborn babes do the spiritual milk because notice here we're talking about new covenant and old covenant deals with material things It deals with an altar it deals with animals it deals with men as priests men who did not experience any internal transformation. They were just appointed priests because they were born into a certain tribe. But now we are are dealing with people who have been begotten. They have been made anew. They have been made new creatures. And as was pointed out last week, they were given a new spirit. They were given a new heart. The heart that there was an exchange between the heart of stone to be a heart of flesh, and then they're given the Holy Spirit to teach them how to obey and how to please God. So he's saying, long for, crave after spiritual milk. And later on, he's going to talk about spiritual house so now we are moving from material natural to supernatural to spiritual this is what covenant does and this is how we need to think of church and think of ourselves and think of one another so he says he says let me go back he says Putting away, therefore, all these wicked things, these things that will not enhance <clears throat> loving relationship with one another. As newborn babes, just like how... You know he's not referring to milk here as <clears throat> inferior to meat. He's referring to milk as that which is essential. He says spiritual milk which is without guile that he may grow thereby unto salvation. Now the salvation he's talking about here is the salvation of the soul. And Watchman need described the soul as tripartite. It is made up of intellect, emotion, and will. And this is a process that we go through after we become Christians. Where sanctification, as Paul writes into Thessalonians, says it is, it, it is body, soul, and spirit. It, is, it, is, it includes our intellect. What we know, what sort of attitude we <clears throat> develop and show to God and to our fellow men. Especially those who have the household of faith. And our emotions, the things that we love and the things we don't love, things that we hate. And our will, what we do mind, emotion, and will what, how we think, how we feel, how we act. This is what is going on in our lives. This is what perfection entails. This is how to change, how we are transformed to become more like Christ. So he says, grow thereby unto salvation. Allow your intellect to be changed by the spirit of God. Allow your emotions to be redirected. Allow your will to lead you to obey god and to do his will so he says as newborn babes create that thirst that hunger that crave that longing for the spiritual milk which is without guile it is perfect it is incorruptible it is life-giving it is living and life-giving it is it it is eternal and then he says if ye have tasted that the lord is gracious so he's saying that the reason you are begotten and made into a new creature is because you believe that the lord is gracious and you accept what he has done for you and have committed your life to him so your attitude should be one in which all of those things that would hinder smooth loving relationship with one another you should de- you, you should be like in, in those days, what happened in your baptism? What happened in the baptism in those days was that people used to be baptized naked because before you get into the water, you take off your clothes. And when you come out, you put on a brand new robe, white robe or something like that. So he says, remember your baptism. When you took off your old clothes which, which represents your old life, and as newborn babes, crave, long for spiritual milk which is without guile, that he may grow thereby unto salvation. If you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, and if you have tasted, then you are going to come to him and be joined with him, the living stone. Although the living stone was rejected by the religious leaders of his day, he was God's elect and precious. And by being joined to him, You'll become living stones who are built into a spiritual house. And here he could be referring to just a household. But it could. Be, I think he's also speaking about the temple. Where Paul puts it bluntly, he says, you all constitute the temple of the Holy Ghost." the temple where God dwells. A spiritual house. And that's how we should think of church. Because church is not just a club like the country club or any type of club other club. Church is a spiritual house. Church, just like how God dwelt in the tabernacle then in the temple, God now dwells in the church. The church is God's dwelling place. The church is a spiritual house. But this house is made up of Christ as the chief cornerstone. And you and I as living stones. Living stones because we are joined to the living stone, Jesus Christ. And we should think of growth, not only numerical growth, but spiritual growth, as is being emphasized here. In fact, any meaningful church growth begins with spiritual growth. Spiritual growth in which there is obedience and conformity to Christ. We're we're becoming more and more like Christ. Where how we think, how we feel, how we act is being influenced by the presence of the Holy Spirit who lives in our human spirit. But then he says, it is, we are being built up a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So at last, at last, God's desire, original desire, is now being fulfilled. Because God's original desire was that Adam and Eve would worship God at least once a day when God would come down in the cool of the day and have fellowship with man. But of course, The intellect, the emotion, and the will expressed in the term that when Adam saw that this forbidden fruit was good for food, it was something to be desired to make one wise. You see the intellect, the emotion, the will. They ate the fruit in disobedience. And so the privilege of worship was denied. They were driven out of the garden, out of the presence of God. But I want to say hallelujah this morning. Praise God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has found a way to so bring us back to the place where not only Adam and Eve, not only one tribe. <clears throat> you know, I bless God this morning that in the church there is no hierarchy. In the Old Testament, there was the court of the Gentiles. The court of the women, and they had nothing to do with Jesus. Then there was a court of the men, the court of the priests, and there was only that 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 section where only the priests would go in the holy place. And then there was that room, that court where only the high priest would go once a year. But aren't we glad this morning? Can't, can't should we not shout hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah? But this morning, this morning, there's no hierarchy. This thing, there's no, there, there's nobody in the church that is considered to be an, an 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 elite person. Yes, we can get all kind of titles, but that title don't make us elite. The Bible says that every one of us this morning constitute the spiritual house and the house is designed to be a holy priesthood in some denomination a woman will never be considered a priest but the bible says that we are all we constitute a holy priesthood for the purpose of offer, offering of spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. And the sacrifices that are acceptable to God are the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That's why it was so apt that this morning we began with singing that doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. But the writer of the Hebrew expands, it is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name. And we don't have to be ordained priests to offer up spiritual, uh, to offer praise or thanksgiving to God. But then the, sp- the spiritual sacrifices also include the living sacrifice of our bodies, of ourselves, of our lives to God. As Romans 12 says, that we are to offer up ourselves as living sacrifice unto him. And then he explains. He explains how and why this thing works. And he quotes three or so old testament passages he says behold i lay in zion a chief cornerstone elect precious and he that believeth on him shall not be put to shame in other words he that believe in him will share in the honor because yes the builders rejected him but god accepted him god treat him as honorable As royalty. And so when we believe on him. We will not be put to shame. We will not stumble and fall. Like the unbelievers. But we will share in his honor. What a privilege. That Jesus is the foundation. He's the chief cornerstone. But we are the superstructure. Like the walls and the roof and all of that. And what Paul says, Paul catches this and vividly said that this building is expanding. It is being built. It is not a complete building. There's one denomination who says that everybody who's going to heaven is already selected. Now that is their idea. But God's idea is that this building is expanding as people are brought in by faith into this spiritual house. For you, therefore, that believe is a preciousness. In other words, you join with God in seeing that Jesus is precious and honorable and qualified to not only <clears throat> become the foundation on which the rest of the building sits, but he determined the design of the building. But for such as disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, the same was made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence, for they stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you who believe, you who are covenant people, you who are joined to the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, you are An elect race. And I was saying recently that you know, every now and again you are asked in filling out a form to this to to determine what race you are. You know, instead of saying that you are African American or you're black, maybe you should just say you're a Christian race. Because the Bible says you are an elect race. You see, God has a new thing, a new humanity, says Paul to decisions a new humanity, a new type of people because of this covenant. A royal priesthood, priests who belong to the king. A holy nation, people who are set apart and are different. A people for God's own possession. We don't share, we don't surrender leadership to anybody else we don't, we don't share with anybody or anything else but God. For God's own possession. That ye may show forth the excellency of him. Isn't that wonderful? That we now have become the conduits. We have now become the vessels through which the power of God, the excellency, the greatness, the praise, the worthiness of God is put on display. And the Bible says, even to principalities and powers, somebody says that the church is a university for angels. Because angels have never felt the joy that full salvation brings. Angels don't know anything about grace. But we know, and we are now the exhibits of the grace of God of who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light therefore we are light bearers let your light so shine before men says jesus that they may see our good works and come and glorify. what a privilege what a privilege jew and gentile once it was abraham then it was noah (coughs) and then it was aaron and then David, and these were all Jewish people, although they were not always Jews. But we praise God that you and I, along with Jew, the Jew, the, 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 the few Jews who believe, we are now light bearers of the magnificence and the grace. Of our great God. But now he says. You who in time past were no people. And here He's quoting from Hosea. Where Hosea was told to give the name of one child. No pity. And the name of the other one no people. And then he says. I'm going to change it. So you who were not pitted. Now mercy is extended to you. And you who were no people. You are now people what a elevation what a transformation and so i say hallelujah praise be to god you who had not obtained mercy have now obtained mercy in fact let me see if i can read this in, in in the words of eugene peterson in the message he says, but you're the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, <clears throat> priestly work, sacred work. So you might be a nurse or a teacher, or you might be a mechanic <clears throat> or a chef or whatever, but that's not who you are, that's what you do for a living. You are chosen by god chosen for the high calling of priestly work you will never go some you will never have no plans about going to seminary or seeking ordination but you are chosen for the high calling of priestly work who is a priest a priest is a bridge builder The one who stands between people and God. And what a privilege as the church to stand between the unbelieving world and the God who keeps covenant. That is our role in life. That is who we are. Royal, holy priesthood. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instrument to do his work. And to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Father, we shout hallelujah this afternoon. We praise your name for the way you have transformed us and the way you have planned for us, Lord. You have, sh- you have. You, 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 you have cast a wide net, that embrace, that entails the past, the present, and the future. Our mind, our emotion, our will. Oh God, we thank you for the work you're doing. We say hallelujah, hallelujah, amen.